Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Novel. Before we begin, this series features remarkable stories told by remarkable people. Some of the events they discuss and some of the words they use to describe their experiences can be, how shall I say this, quite colourful. This programme contains strong language and descriptions of an adult nature. Listener discretion is advised. One of the biggest things that gave me strength is creating a fantasy world. And I lived there for a very long time. And that is why I gave myself the second name, Ariel, when I changed my names legally, is because in my fantasy world, I was Princess Ariel, free in the water. This is Jar Jar Fisher. I'm already nervous because I'm a hand gesture person. I speak with my hands. Yeah, same. I'm exactly the same. Sharjah's a trans campaigner and health worker based in Johannesburg. Whilst you might not see her expressive hand gestures, her words are more than enough. At 41, she's younger than many of the queer pioneers we speak to. But nonetheless, she's a true mother within the South African trans community. And her passion for this role is obvious from the word go. Today, Jaja is a role model for South African trans women. But like many before her, she took a winding path to get there. From the team at Novel, this is Call Me Mother, a collection of conversations with queer trailblazers. I'm Sean Fay. In each episode, I'm talking to a different queer pioneer whose story teases out a nuance of our shared LGBTQ history. By telling these stories, we'll show the richness and wisdom of our queer community through the ages. And in each tale from the past, we'll find strength for the present day. In this episode, Jar Jar's story. Sharja spent her early years in Johannesburg with her mum and stepdad. But when they split up, the family moved in with Sharja's grandparents and the extended family in the coastal city of Durban. We were about 17 to 19 in a home. 
And that was just a normal day. And holiday time, we would be, I think, when we had our cousins and uncles coming over, we were maximum of about 23, 24 in the house. Where I lived was like, it's a coloured community. In South Africa, coloured is a term from the apartheid era that legally classified anyone who wasn't white or of native African origin. Though it's considered a slur in much of the world, it's a term that continues to be used by the community today. It was very laid back, but I also would like to say that it was very backward because I knew from the age of seven that I was different, I was unique, but I just didn't know how to pin it down. Shaja was assigned male at birth, and as a child, she believed initially that she might be gay, which was punishable by up to seven years in prison in apartheid-era South Africa. I couldn't be around boys because as I grew older, I just found myself having more of a crush on the same sex back then. And it was very strong, but growing up in a very religious home, I was very fearful of these emotions, this feeling that I had. Jaja's family lived in what she calls a Black English area of Durban. The community was very religious and intolerant of gay people, even after the end of apartheid, when the new government legalised homosexuality. That said, Jaja got the sense that those around her knew some of the feelings she kept hidden inside. One memory from the mid-1990s, when Jaja was just 13, sticks out. We were watching Oprah... And a man was on the show. He was a guy who was married to a woman for many years and had children. Yeah, and then just one day he came out to his family and said that he's actually been gay and having an affair with the gentleman and all. We were watching this program together and my mum once just turned around and she cried at how this man, how could he do this to his wife and children? And then she was like, she flipped She just turned to me, but you know, if one of my children were to be gay, I don't think I'd have a problem with it. And then she turned to me and she was like, are you gay? And I'm like, what? Wait, what are you saying? Like, in my mind, I'm like, when did we get here? Jaja told her mother she wasn't gay. I knew just within my gut instinct that she was not ready for me to be gay. For a very long time, I kept it in the closet. I kept it silent, but it was eating at me. And living in such a bustling house, surrounded by her extended family, it ate at Jaja even more. My grandmother was very involved in the church as well. My aunt was involved in the church. And my two uncles were basically alcoholics who drank every day. And I think that was more difficult for me because I was always seen as the target because of my sexuality, you know. So no matter what happened, it was about my sexuality. I would look in the mirror and speak to myself and kind of build that confidence up to get myself to that understanding that you are actually gay. Because for a very long time, I lived in this denial state 
to please my family. Um, sorry. It's fine, take your time. I think it's just because of the trauma of not being able to be free for a very long time. And that's why it hurts so much and why it still hurts so much is because of the fact that it was painful. Mentally, emotionally, it hurt. And it still does. And that was basically me for a very long time because I needed some place to express myself and be free. It was like that for a very long time until I think I moved back to Johannesburg when I was 24 and it was kind of getting to this newfound freedom. I saw more gay people and I just became more free and more happy and I became more myself. And I think from there, it was just one of those things where I started to be more comfortable and at ease with who I was. Exploring this newfound freedom, Sharjah was about to enter a new chapter in her life. That's coming up. I met one of the most phenomenal drag artists from back then, and her name was Madame La Rochelle. This was the mid-2000s, when Jaja was in her 20s. The first time I met her, she was doing a Shirley Bassey Diamonds Are Forever performance. And she had this orange feathered dress on with a slit, almost thigh high, red, bushy, curly wig, honeycombed up. And she had the biggest eyes. And I looked at this woman and I was like, okay, you're phenomenal. By this point, Jaja is presenting as an out gay man in Johannesburg. She's starting to find herself to bring that figure she had locked in the mirror to life in the real world. When you're young and in the city, this usually means heading to a place where you can dance. And for Jaja, that place was called Simply Blue. Simply Blue was one of the gay clubs there and the majority of people of colour would attend that club. It was 
the most amazing experience. I was so free. They love playing R&B. And so, you know, it was just that very R&B hip kind of vibe. But I think at this new place is where my heart fell in love with drag. As Zsa, Zsa watched Madame La Rochelle belt out Shirley Bassey in her orange feather dress, she felt a memory flickering, a rare positive echo from her childhood. I looked at her and I said, this is very similar to something that I used to do back in the day for my siblings when I used to actually entertain them growing up. I would put in my mother's false teeth, put on her heels when I could fit into her heels, put on a dress and I would start performing for my siblings. And I would start performing and entertaining them whilst my mother was at work and we were at home. Shaja fell in love with drag. She was consumed by the performances and pageants at Simply Blue. But for a while, she didn't feel she could get on the stage herself until the night before Johannesburg Pride in 2008 when some friends gathered together for a party. We'll get together, have a few drinks, have a braai. For those who don't know what's a braai, it's a barbecue. And so we were having a braai and then like, I even just made a joke and I said to my friends, oh, that'll be fabulous. Let me get into drag and I can do a few drag performances at this get-together. I basically did a few Whitney Houston because I was very inspired by Whitney Houston back then. And my friends were like, no, we have to go to Simply Blue. And I'm like, no, but okay. Then I was like, no, let's just go because they're having a pageant, you know, at that time. And so I said, okay, let me go and get dressed. And they were like, no, stay like this. You have to stay in drag. I stayed in drag. We went to this club. I went to this club in drag for the first time. And whilst I was there, they needed more contestants. And my friend just entered me in this pageant on the spot. And I entered and I think I was like second runner up for that evening. Second runner up for someone who'd never performed in a drag pageant before. At this point, Zsa knew she'd found her future, and she began entering more pageants across Johannesburg and further afield in South Africa. In these pageants, Zsa felt more alive than ever. It's always a hustle, it's a bustle, it's the girls getting ready here, then everywhere. It's about a nipper tuck and everything else in between. And it is just the most amazing experience. You also get to get a feel of sisterhood in some way and so it is amazing the environment back then was very supportive I think it was a big thing for the girls because it allowed a sense of expression it allowed girls to come out and be who they are and I owe my life to drag Drag had given Jaja a new purpose and introduced her to a whole new community. And it also allowed her to re-examine her own identity. Since coming out, Jaja had always identified as a gay man. But now she began to think again. And when I heard this word transgender for the first time, I was kind of like, oh, okay. And I think that was like in 2011, 2010, 2011. And I googled this word and what it meant. I related 
at 150,000% with this word. It gave me such a relief because even growing up, I knew from a very young age that I know this word gay exists, but it just doesn't put into words who I am. And when I found this word transgender and transgender woman, I was at ease. I was so excited and I finally got a word to express who I am. And I've never looked back. I did not tell my family I was transitioning. I just started taking hormones. And like any other person of color here in South Africa and a lot of our trans community members, we all start on the black market. There is not one trans person I know that hasn't started <laughs> on the black market with their transitioning process. What Sharjah means is that in South Africa, trans people often buy hormones on the black market rather than going through the medical system. She says this is because access to treatment is so difficult, despite LGBT rights being enshrined in South Africa's post-apartheid constitution. I always say to people that I am a proudly South African transgender woman and nobody can take that away from me. And one of the questions that I always get asked is like, and so even if you're fully transitioned, would you still identify as a transgender woman? I said, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said, it is so important that be highlighted because I feel that I don't want to lose sight of the activism that I do for our community because I believe that that is our struggle. It has been, still is, our struggle that we do exist and people feel that we want to be eradicated after we've done the full transitioning. Mm, yeah, no, I've had that as well where people say, well, you don't need to identify as trans anymore, you're just a woman. It's <laughs> not really. Um, it's both. Since transitioning, Jaja has been a powerful advocate for trans people in South Africa. She founded the Trans Power Care Centre, which supports and advocates for trans rights. She also supports younger trans people who are just beginning to understand who they are. Be yourself, be free. And if you cannot be yourself with your family, know that you have family within the LGBTI community. And I'm always here for my brothers and sisters. And this is what I've dedicated my life to because I work with so many young trans boys and girls at the moment. And I've committed a mobile number specifically to them just so that they know that they have a big sister that they can speak to when they have nobody else to speak to. Because South Africa's known for having LGBTQ plus rights in its constitution, perhaps from the outside, people might look and say, oh, they've enshrined LGBTQ rights in the post-apartheid constitution. Do you think that that seemingly progressive thing in the constitution is really reflected on the ground? Short answer, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Our constitution is beautiful, but if you put rose petals over feces, it still is feces at the end of the day. <laughs> I'm being very nice about this. <laughs> <laughs> 
our constitution is enshrined with the rights of LGBTI people. But I don't think it has a lot of emphasis on the importance of it. It is seen more as a human right in the constitution to be who you are, love who you are in terms of religion, belief, sexual orientation, gender identity. But when it comes to actual implementation, we are a long way from actually seeing how it supports us. We have one hospital at the moment who does gender affirming surgery in the country. And that hospital is based in Cape Town. It's called Grotskir Hospital. And the waiting list is 25 years. Wow. While South Africa remains a difficult place to be a trans woman, Sharja is working tirelessly to be a role model for others. And in 2018, she decided to try and increase trans visibility on the national stage by entering the country's most prestigious drag pageant. Miss Gay South Africa. I said, I'm entering this pageant, but after that, I'm going into retirement because I don't think that I need to do another pageant at my age. It opened up a whole new realm for me because I then got the exposure of not just local or provincial, but on a national level. And it's more than just a pageant of a title and beauty, but it's about brains. And more importantly, for me, it was about exposing our trans community more and making them visible. Shaja won the competition and was crowned the first Miss Gay South Africa. It was a moment which affirmed not only her own identity, but the place of trans women within the South African queer community. And if I look back at when I started as a drag queen back then, to a drag artiste, to a drag performer now, I've seen a lot of the girls transform from drag to trans. And it's one of the most amazing things because for me, it's taken me to such an extreme level of awesomeness because I've become so comfortable with who I am. With all the success she's had as a drag performer and a trans activist, Sharja only wishes she could have transitioned sooner. For me, that was my biggest regret in life is that I didn't do it at a younger age because I feel that I would have had so much more confidence because that's when my confidence actually was boosted is when I came into the true me, which is Jaja Ariel Fisher. Because once she came out, this phenomenal woman came into realization. Call Me Mother is hosted by me, Sean Fay, with production from Pippa Smith. Rosie Collier, Sean Glynn, and Max O'Brien are executive producers. Research by Megan Oyinka. Production management from Cherie Houston and Charlotte Wolf. Austin Mitchell is our creative director of production. Mike Lee Rao is our managing editor. Gavin Haynes is our head of development. Willard Foxton is our creative director of development. 
Sound design, mixing and scoring by Daniel Kempson. Music supervision by Pippa Smith and Nicholas Alexander. Our theme music is composed by Eli Block. Special thanks to Saskia Edwards, Oren Rosenbaum, Shelby Schenkman and all the team at UTA. For more from Novel, visit novel.audio. 